Welcome back to the Foul Balls NHL podcast. We've got an 11-game NHL slate for Saturday night, so we'll get into it quickly, uh, give you guys time to listen up and make some lineups. But before we get into the games, John wanted to talk a little bit about which teams are overachieving and underachieving looking at the NHL standings. So what do you have for us, John? Uh, yeah, I just think it's important a couple of weeks in to kind of identify the teams who, who have been doing, you know, much better than they have been last year or teams, you know, that were in the playoffs and ranked, you know, or, or got even really far in the playoffs last year that are now in the, the bottom of bottom of the standings. And, and I guess we'll talk about our Rangers being first. You know, they are they only have eight points and they're they're three and six. And just above them are, are the Capitals who are four and five. Um, and then you also have the Montreal Canadiens who are a mess right now, who only have five points as well and only won two games. So um, in terms of just biases, it's important to just to consider, you know, how, how much these teams are, are have fallen off compared to last year. So, you know, I'm, you know and one mistake I've been making this year is I've been trying to put certain teams and lines and spots where, you know, traditionally last year they've worked out really well for me, but in, in hindsight, you know, maybe it's not that way, or maybe they should get better, or maybe they shouldn't. But, you know, it's just important to, to speak to where they're at. Yeah, for sure. And I guess one important thing that many people may not realize is just how close together most of these teams are. So even if it looks like one team is way worse than another team, you can see this with the Vegas lines too. Hockey games are close. Sometimes the score doesn't reflect that they're close, but usually in terms of puck possession and shot attempts, the games are very close to 50-50, so when you see big discrepancies in the standings, it's a lot to do with luck. I would say it's probably a third luck at least, and people making decisions based on what the standings look like right now in such a small sample, I think you have to be cautious there because there are some teams towards the bottom of the standings that maybe what you were saying where it just isn't that way this year compared to last year, it could be a little bit of an overreaction because even if a team doesn't look like what they looked like last year in terms of goals for and goals allowed, they might be playing just as well as they were playing last year and they're getting unlucky or lucky or whatever. So we have to use more of our advanced metrics. That's why the Vegas lines matter so much for analysis, but the standings are a little bit funky at this point in the season. Yeah, no, I agree. And when I look at the standings, you know, the, the one thing I look at, you know, it's, it's so early on is the goal differential. So you have, you know, the Arizona, you know, Coyotes have a minus 21 and then you have, the Montreal Canadiens at a minus 20. That's just such a significant amount. That means not only are they not scoring, but they're also giving up a ton of goals. And for our guy, Carey Price, it's uh, it's been a rough start, to say the least. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's, it's It hasn't been fun to watch him. But Arizona actually is right in the middle of the pack in shot differential. They actually have one more shot attempt than shot allowed. So I think that we're we're looking at some strong positive regression here. I don't think that Arizona will be a good team this year. They probably won't even be an average team, but they should be a lot better than what they've been. And then Montreal has actually been pretty elite in creating scoring chances. I think they have the most shot attempts for in the entire NHL. Just looking at it quickly, I'm pretty sure that that's true. But Carey Price has played awful. He did have one good game. I think it was against the Panthers a few nights ago. As the best goalie in the league last year, I would think he has to turn it around soon, unless he's playing injured or something. But more likely than not, he'll turn it around soon. It's it's just yes. it's hard to figure out that team. Yeah, and hopefully he turns around it tonight because uh, he is playing the Rangers, and, and the Rangers have a, a very low uh, team over under of two point five. So um, he might be in play again tonight. But uh, that's that's completely on you. And if you want to take that risk and be 
some of the some of the people that you know are, are on him earlier for that bounce back, or if you just want to wait and, and feel safe, then you know I totally respect that move too. So, do you want to get into the games now? We can start with that one, I guess. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Okay, so for the Rangers Canadians game, I don't think there's much to talk about in terms of using skaters. Uh, it's not a high over under game. I just think there there are a lot of good spots on this slate, and this isn't one of them for goal scoring, but. Carey Price is intriguing. He's priced up a little bit to 7700 even though he hasn't played that well. But that's still a cheap price for him compared to last year. And the Rangers just aren't that good offensively. They, I guess, are probably pretty DFS-friendly to opposing goalies because they generally are pretty good at creating not high-quality scoring chances, I guess is how you would put it. They, um, they historically have very low shooting percentages, so do you think that that's something that's reliably true for the Rangers where they get a lot of shots on net, but they don't score that many goals? Yeah, so far this year, so far to this to this point this year, I would agree, yes. Um, and I think they've shuffled their lines probably more so than any other team, actually besides probably Montreal, uh, where their lines have been shuffled a bunch too. So um, like we spoke about before, the goal differentials have been high with both these teams and I think they're just trying to find out their chemistry and, and who's working with who and, and what's not working. So, you know, in the offensive standpoint, I am not on anyone on this game until, you know, I can watch the game and I can see, I can see, uh, you know, some, some chemistry together. All right. So moving on to a game where we're actually using skaters. Well, I'll mention this one first. This is our most notable fade for sure. We're both off of the Tampa Bay lightning tonight. And part of it is because of ownership, but, this is an 11-game slate, so I'm not overly concerned with ownership, but I just don't think there's that high of an expected output for the Lightning. They're playing against the Ducks, who have dealt with a lot of injuries this year, but most of their guys are healthy now, so it's not the easiest matchup. They're seeing a lot of sharp money against. Tampa opened at minus 175. They're only minus 150, and that's a negative 25-cent line movement despite most of the public favoring Tampa. So really heavy, sharp action on the Ducks. So I, I see a lot of indicators to say not to use the Lightning, and hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us because they basically, it seems like Sam Coast and Kucherov score every game, but maybe this will finally be the game where they get shut down. Yeah, it's possible, and you know, Gibson's definitely an above-average goalie. Um, you know, they are getting bet, and they have Lindholm back on the, on the blue line. That, that's, that's for the Ducks. Um, and uh, Getzloff, uh, you know, will we'll probably be playing against this line, so hopefully, you know, he can kind of shut them down or limit them to, to the least, and we spoke about it before, you know, at that price, if they could score one or maybe two goals and not go off, you know, we're not, we're not completely out of the mix. So, you know, tournaments, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with this fade, I guess is the best way I can put it. Um, and I do think there are some other spots for some lines that are a similar price that can put out some, uh, some more output at some better percentages. So having said all that, would you use John Gibson at 7,200 as a GPP play? Because if you're going to bet against Tampa scoring, essentially, you might as well double down and go for additional upside. I did that with Jimmy Howard the other night going against the Lightning. It worked okay. He gave up three goals but had a ton of saves. If he does happen yeah. to get the win, though, I think you're you're looking at a very low-owned goalie that could potentially have a really high score. You know what? I, I do love doing that when I when I do fade a top line like, like Tampa 1, but I do like doing it on shorter slates. So in terms of predicting upsets and, and really trying to get that low-owned goalie on an 11-game slate, I'm probably not going to take that risk. Um, but it's not the worst idea. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You're probably able to find other low-owned goals and 
goalies anyway because there are so many games to choose from. So I'll right. say that I'll probably use Gibson in out of 20 lineups at most two of them. I think it's a worthwhile risk, but it's a much better strategy for sure on smaller slates. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you know what? And on smaller slates like that too, you know, last night I, I had a – I had the Forsberg lineup up there. They're playing in uh, in Chicago against the Blackhawks. I had them at you know five percent in the tournament I was in, and you know I paired it to Pekka uh, Rini, and uh, Rini was was two percent. And you know if, if they had happened to go off, and for even more of a potential upside is when you get that top line plus that goalie against that Tampa one. Let's say um, that also gives you the opportunity if they are winning and they do get that empty net goal to really put you over the top. So. When you're talking about maximizing upsides, and I know a lot in football, you can you know pair the running back with the defense, or uh, let's use that for an example. In, in a case like this, if you wanted to take the gets off line one, take Gibson, hope for a win, and, and Vegas is you know the, the, the odds are, are, are definitely moving in their favor. Um, and then that kind of uh, empty net goals, I don't even get me started on what they frustrate mm-hmm. me, and I, I try not to play anything towards them. But when you when you get that line on, and then you get that goalie win, and then you get that that empty net goal, that's how you that's how you make a lot of money in hockey. So it's just maximizing the upside. And, and tonight I'm not I'm I'm not on it, but it's just something to kind of speak to in terms of lineup uh, lineup construction. Yeah, I think you have to get more creative on smaller slates with more strategies like that. So I'll say that it's a decent play for tonight to even use Ducks skaters with Gibson and play for that, but with so many games there's just better choices. But in, in general I do like that strategy a lot. Uh, so moving on to the next game and this is a pretty strong spot for a team that I think most people know is very good offensively, but I think they'll be undervalued here. And that's the Bruins at home against the Kings. So the Kings are one of those teams that we kind of alluded to when talking about the standings where they've probably overachieved in terms of wins and losses. And the Bruins are a really strong offensive team with Bergeron back especially. I think they'll go extremely low on tonight against LA. Jonathan Quick has been incredible this year. And the Vegas line movement favors Boston too. Most of the public is on LA. So I like Boston a lot. I think they're a much better choice to pay up for than Tampa. And they're probably not my absolute favorite spot of the night, but I think it's a really good one for an expensive team. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. You know, you're getting, you know, a similar upside on a, on a general, in a general way in terms of a line with, with the Bergeron line when talking about also the Kucherov line as well. And then talking about that ownership uh, you know, at some point, you know, the Kings, they will let some goals in, and they're playing at a much faster pace than they are this year uh, with a new coach and a new system. And I think this is the last game of their road trip on the East Coast, so uh, they, they, they have to be tired. Could be a super sneaky spot for, for Boston 1. Okay, so next game is two teams that were supposed to be very bad this year, although I think one was expected to be decent, and it's actually the other one that has been decent. So that's Coyotes, Devils, Arizona made some interesting offseason moves, but they've been just awful this year. They still don't have a win. The Devils were supposed to be a tanking team, essentially, but they've won a bunch of games. I think you mentioned before we started that they haven't lost at home yet. So this game features now two really offensive-oriented teams who are poor defensively, have a lot of young talent. The over-under here is six. I think uh, both sides of this game are definitely in play. Yeah, and when talking about these teams, they're both young, they both play fast-paced, they, they move the puck up and down, and that's not traditionally you know a devil style of play, but um, all of their lines, are, are in terms of price, are so cheap. So 
you're going to see a lot of pairings with, you know, the Bergeron, not not just what's Bergeron line, but the Kucherov line and the McDavid line to, you know, the Arizona one or, or New Jersey one or even New Jersey two. With, and, and you're going to see with an over-under of six with such low prices on these lines that are all that are all power play oriented, uh, you're going to see a lot of pairings with with uh, with with lines from the, from this game. So which um, which line specifically? I'm thinking it's Arizona one and the Devils one and two. Would you go beyond that, or is it just those three? You, think? you know what? I wouldn't go beyond that. I I, I think Kyle Palmieri's out tonight. Um, as far as I would go, it would be Devils two, uh, but. Taylor uh, Taylor Hall's been been playing so well, and, and he's playing with Mercer. They're they're not on the same power play, but um, he's just been all over the ice everywhere. And traditionally, I I, I do think that he's been he's been great against the Coyotes in general. Um, so that, I think we're going to see a very high ownership on on the New Jersey Devils, like like we talked about before. They're undefeated at home. They have an over under of six. They did play last night, but it was a home back to back. So you know, with that line being so cheap and with all the production that they've put up so far, I uh, expect to see a ton of ownership on it. And I think a lot of people may pair the Devils with Keith Kincaid because if you use the Devils, you have extra salary. They're a cheap team to use. But Kincaid at 8100 I think is a really bad value. And I do prefer Arizona's offense to the Devils' ability to prevent goal scoring. So even if you are stacking the Devils, I don't think using Kincaid makes a lot of sense. I think you're better off going with someone like Gibson or Carey Price because Kincaid probably will have a good amount of ownership, and he's just not good enough to cost that much. I think against any team. Yeah, he's he's not he's he's an average goalie at best. So you know, at eighty one hundred, that's almost eye popping. It almost kind of makes me want to go uh, the other way and and jump on you know Coyotes one. And you know, it, these are two young teams, and and I feel like anything can happen. And the Devils are almost a minus one fifty favorite. They did play last night. I don't you know even even if it was back home to home. So I'm sorry. I don't know if you can tell my voice convincing myself of. Arizona one and even maybe playing Luke Domingue at sixty eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could you could go with Domingue at sixty eight hundred, but I think I think my preferred strategy here is just get players from both sides of this game in the same lineup because there is some potential positive correlation if you get an overtime game, uh, an extra goal that you get out of that. So maybe they can enhance each other's upside. Maybe this game turns into a track meet. So I think it it could be tough because the prices are cheap. And you'll have a lot of salary to make up for, so maybe you end up throwing a couple of expensive skaters from the Bruins or one of the other expensive teams we'll get to in a minute. But, yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time picking which side of the game I prefer, so putting them together, I think, is a viable strategy. Yep, I agree. Okay, so we have a couple games now. I think I'll just cross off here because we talked about them before and we don't think there's a ton of value. The first one in that category is Flyers, Leafs, the total is six, but it opened at six and a half. There's some sharp action on the under, and they're kind of expensive teams. Uh, the Flyers have been priced up a bunch, I think, just checking that again, but they were much cheaper than what they are now earlier in the year. So now if you're using the top line, you're paying 6500 for Voracek, 6400 for Giroux, 5800 for Couturier. The second line's pretty expensive too, so I'm off them. Toronto's pretty expensive also. Um, Austin Matthews at 7800 I'm a little scared to fade him, but there there are other top players that cost around the same. So nothing to look at really from that game for us. And then Penguins at Wild, also a total of six, but the betting has that trending down also. And on the road for Pittsburgh and Minnesota against Dubnik, there, there are better spots to take the Penguins, and they're a very expensive team too. They should have fairly high ownership. 
the Wild just aren't good offensively with all the injuries they have. So I think that's a game that's easy to fade. Do you have anything else to add on those two? No, I, I completely agree. Um, I'm, I'm off uh, both of those games as well for the most part. Um, Dubnik could could be interesting at 7,300. Keep in mind he is one of the, the best goaltenders in the league, and you know he will face a ton of shots. So if they could pull out the victory there, uh, I think they're about an even spread in terms of money line. So like, that could be interesting if you want to get on Devin Dubnik. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy too. I think he's. I kind of have him in the same category as Carey Price for the night where – you're, I'm not playing him with any of his teammates, but as an independent goalie, I think there's a lot of value there. Um, and then one other game I'm mostly ignoring, but I think you had mentioned that you have some interest in it, is Islanders-Predators. So this game has a pretty low over-under. It's at 5.5. The Predators are small favorites. They have Soros in net as the backup goalie starting tonight. Rene started last night in Chicago. Um, Nashville's fairly expensive, but I think it's a decent spot against the Islanders. What is your interest level in the Predators? Uh, the Predators, um, in terms of their power play, and also just going against uh, the, the Islanders, you know, traditionally on the road are, are, are much worse than they are at home, um, and, and the Predators are much better at home as well. Uh, Saros is, is a guy that, that is a good is a good backup and is kind of you know young and up and coming. So I, I, I do I do see the Predators winning tonight. They are only a minus one twenty seven favorite, um, but I, I won't have a ton of exposure on them. And kind of similarly, just to just to switch games over. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who played last night um, against the St. Louis Blues, it's the same thing to be said for the Tarasenko line. Uh, the Blues are a minus one thirty-three favorite uh, over/under team team total of three. Um, also amazing on the power play. So you know, between St. Louis one and uh, the Predators one, I, I will have a little exposure to both. Fair enough. So these last three games that we haven't mentioned yet, I think could be three of the better spots of the night. I just need to check pricing real quick again to make sure that I still feel the same way about the Panthers against the Red Wings. So the Florida top line has been really good lately. The whole Florida team has been really good lately. They just beat Anaheim 8-3. to Huberto, Dadanov, and Barkov are a little more expensive than they were last week, but... Not much, though. It's about 100 or $200 more for each. Trocheck still at 6000 costs the same. I think you can get a really low-owned Panthers stack tonight. I think it's a spot that most people will overlook because there are just a lot of high-expected uh, high offenses, just like a lot of notable teams on the slate, like the Penguins and Capitals and Lightning. The Panthers are really good offensively, especially that top line. So I think the move is just to play their whole, whole first power play unit together with the Barkov line with Troshek and then with Ekblad, who's now on the first power play on D. Um, I think that that's just cheaper than a lot of teams that have similar expected outputs. And the Red Wings are not very good. So what what is your take on Florida? Yeah, you know, they did put up eight last time. So, you know, you'd think with some recency bias that some people will be on them. But it's still an 11-game slate. And let's not, let's not get over, you know, let's not overanalyze uh, ownership levels than you already should. Um, for me personally, I've... I've never, I've never really done very well with lineup set where I where I play the full power play as a whole. Um, in certain instances, in certain spots, uh, against certain teams, maybe. But I, I've never seen a lot of tremendous success with that. Um, I, I, I stay pretty strict with my lineup construction. Maybe you can kind of speak to something you've seen when you when you've done a full power play in one. Well, I guess it works better on teams where you have a little more potential for lines to be mixed during games because the more players you have on a team together, the more potential correlation there is. And then something people may not 
intuitively remember about hockey is that teams change on the fly all the time. So players do end up playing with different line mates just because one guy goes to the bench, but the other two guys on his line haven't gone to the bench yet. And then you have a short amount of time where some guys on line one are playing with some guys on line two. It's not it's not a completely perfect thing where line one all goes off together and line two all comes on together. So I think it's always good to maximize the number of players on the same team. And I like doing it with Florida because Troshek is just so talented that even if he's not correlating positively with the top line, maybe they only have a couple power play chances, he's just such a good fantasy point producer that I'm comfortable having, having him in there anyway. He certainly doesn't negatively correlate with Florida. So I just like him as a player. And then Ekblad's on the ice plenty with the top line. I mean, I know you paired defensemen with their top line anyway. So it's mostly for this team because Troshek is just so good that I have no issue playing him from a different line with the top guys. Yeah, that, 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 that's I, I completely agree with your logic on that one, especially with this you know circumstance and show check in general. So it makes makes sense to me. Although last game Verbata on the second line ended up with a hat trick, and I didn't use any of him, so that that was a little bit frustrating. Hopefully the right players can score. Uh, that's something we've dealt with, and we'll get to that with the next game too because uh, we were on the Oilers against the Blackhawks, or I think it was against the Stars the other night, and they won five to. I think it was four to three, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who I think both of us didn't use at all, had two of the goals. And Edmonton, usually you can rely on their top line. So I think it's another strong spot for Edmonton with McDavid, obviously being the core play from that team. And then Dreisaitl on the top line with him, an incredibly talented goal scorer. I'm pretty high on those two for tonight. And you mentioned before we started about how porous the Caps defense has been this year. Yeah, they've been they, they have been giving up a lot of goals and just in general they've I think they've given up a lot of shots too. I need to double check what's right there right now. Um and, and like we spoke about with the McDavid line, just in terms of ice time and, and power play, uh he, he's he's gonna see all of it. Just the fact that we saw a couple second line goal productions, you know, out of the out of the last game doesn't mean, you know, that that, that it's gonna start happening regularly. So I wouldn't wouldn't look too much into that and uh, go back to the well here and, and, and go strong on uh, Oilers one. And to your point on the Caps, they actually have not played that well. They're a 48.6% Corsi team, so a little more in shots allowed than shots on net this year. The Caps have played poorly, and I guess part of the reason is they just played a game without Nicholas Backstrom, who's one of their most important players against the Canucks and lost 6-2. to two. But there's definitely been something off with the Capitals on defense this year, and I think it's a good spot to target them. Um, just like a couple of the other sort of name recognition teams that we've mentioned kind of fading. Uh, the Caps are one of them. And then the team in this next game, who I, th- I think this is your favorite spot. It might be my favorite spot now, too, after hearing you talk about it. We've been picking teams against the Blackhawks, I think, all year with, I'd say, moderate success. But this could potentially be a really good one with Chicago on the second half of a back-to-back. Corey Crawford not playing tonight. I don't think it's confirmed that Forsberg's starting for him, but Forsberg is the probable starter. And... Looking at the betting info for this game, the Avalanche are only plus 105 at home, despite most people taking the Blackhawks, so realistically, this is probably a toss-up game. The over-under for the game is six, with some juice on the over, so you could actually make the case that the, that the Avalanche have one of the highest expected outputs for the night, and they're incredibly cheap, and I think that they'll be incredibly low-owned as well. Yeah, I, I do see one goal from the McKinnon line tonight, and he's playing on the top line. I think they average 4,500 on DraftKings. Uh, like you said, backup goalie in play, playing on a back-to-back. 
Um, while there's going to be a lot of people pairing uh, their top lines with people with, with, with lines from the game in New Jersey and, and Arizona, I'm going to be doing a little more construction with uh, Colorado one. And, uh, and 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 I, I see them. I see them putting at least up one one goal tonight, and potentially a second. So uh, hopefully that works out for us. All right. So let's uh, let's rank our favorite teams in terms of tiers. I think the bottom tier is easy because we feel pretty strongly about a few of these spots. So I'd say it's Colorado, uh, their first line, but also their second line. I think just Avalanche is a team I'm pretty high on for both of their top mm-hmm. two lines, and then Arizona one and Devils one and two. I think for for cheap teams, that's uh, those are three really strong spots. Yep, I completely agree. And those are the those are the cheap lines that you want to go with that that will allow you to fit in, you know, the Forsberg lines on Nashville, the Tarasenko's lines on St. Louis, and like you spoke about before, you know, Boston one and Oilers one and and Florida one. So between our, our our top favorites, it's it's definitely Boston, the Oilers, Florida, with a little bit of Nashville and St. Louis sprinkled in. I, I think would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I'm having a little bit of trouble ordering them, but I'll say that Boston. Edmonton and um, and Florida are, are my three favorite, with St. Louis and Nashville being right behind them. So for the for the expensive offenses, I'd, I'd separate them into two tiers, where I have three that I like a lot, and then those other two, St. Louis and Nashville, I like also, but probably not a ton of exposure to them, just because I like the other three better. And then for goalies, I guess, you're pairing your stacks with the goalie, so... The only goalie that I wouldn't use with a team stack is Keith Kincaid because of his price. And then for independent goalies, I think Gibson and Carey Price, like we mentioned, are, are and Dubnik. I think all three of those guys playing without their offenses, even without the correlation, are in strong spots. Yeah, I agree. And and like I spoke before, Dubnik at 7,300 is just too cheap, and Keith Kincaid at 8,100 is just too much. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a pretty... <laughs> Pretty crazy thing to point out that uh, Dubnik is so much cheaper than Kincaid being so much better of a goalie. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. What's the line movement on the teams for that Arizona and, and Jersey Jersey game? There's nothing. I think people just aren't betting that game. I think yeah. uh, it's confusing a lot of people because um, it's just those teams have played so unexpectedly this year. And also, I think that the starting goalies were just announced officially. So we just haven't seen a lot of action on that game. But... The public definitely favors the Devils. It just hasn't created any line movement yet. Okay, yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to think of an interesting spot where, you know, the Devils will, will somehow come back down to earth, and picking them in the right spot could uh, could be a good output for everyone. So we'll, we'll, we'll pay attention to that. All right, well, thanks for listening, everyone, and good luck with your NHL tonight.